With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. The Draymond Green Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get payouts in as fast as two hours. There's so many bet types. My favorite same-game parlay bets. There's live betting, player props, futures. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. To get started now, sign up. Please use the promo code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook makes it easy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. As you know, we're into the conference finals, and the dubs are up 1-0. And sorry for Jackson, but the Miami Heat are up 1-0. Wasn't quite a happy day for Jackson a couple days ago, but... We will discuss why the Miami Heat pulled away to win, but we'll also discuss the Dubs win and some things about Luka. I've seen that there's been a lot of LeBron-Luka comparisons, and so I want to hit on that a little bit. Uh, Obviously, I've had the privilege of playing against LeBron in four NBA finals, and so, you know, once you get to that point, I know what you're doing, you know what I'm doing. May the best man win. And and then now I'm playing against Luka and kind of just seeing the similarities and differences. We'll get into that. But first, let's actually, we'll get right into that. We'll talk dubs first, and then we'll talk about the Heat. Dubs win 112 to 87. Um, I know there's been this thing about, oh, man, Luka had his worst shooting game in his postseason career. Andrew Wiggins played amazing defense. Uh, he Picked him up 94 feet. He got into him. He didn't allow him to dictate the terms on his own pace. Uh, you got to give Wiggins a lot of credit. He was also in attack mode on the on the offensive end. I think when I look at uh, the performance that Wiggins had uh, on the defensive end, it was relentless. It was taking on that challenge. And when you're playing against a guy like Luka Doncic, 
you need someone to take on that challenge. We've seen it for years uh, throughout this run of Clay taking on that challenge of of great guards on the other end. And, and, and last night, Wiggins took on that challenge, and we need him to continue to take on that challenge as it'll only get tougher. It won't get any easier. Uh, with a player like Luka, he's going to watch the film. He's going to make the necessary adjustments. He's going to continue to be aggressive. And you just got to continue to try to make it tough on him. Like we always say, uh, you know, you'd say he had his worst shooting game of his career, um, statistically speaking. And, you know, some people will say, oh, he was shut down. You don't shut Luka Doncic down. Even in shutting him down, he had 20 points. Like you just, you don't stop guys like that from scoring. They're going to score. Your job is to make it tough on them. And Wiggins did that last night. You just want to make it tough on them and you live with the result. And that's what we did. And, you know, when you're guarding a guy like that, it's a total team effort. You know, you have to know and trust that, I can be aggressive into the ball and ultimately understanding that if I get beat, someone's going to be there to help me. And, you know, that's what it was tonight. I also want to credit Kevon Looney uh, for the job that he did on Luka when he was switching. Um, Kevon never gets the credit for as, for, the, for as good of a defender as he is. And it dates all the way back to prior finals run where you'd see teams call him up in the switches and, and and Loon just he guards. He's one of those guys that he just has a knack for basketball. And it's not like he's the fastest moving laterally. It's not like he jumps the highest. He's just one of those guy one of those guys that he competes. He competes at the highest level. He's smart. He understands angles. He has great length. And so he uses the things that he does have on his side to his advantage. And it's helped to make him an incredible defender. And the, the basketball that he's been playing overall, not just on the defensive end, but the basketball that he's been playing overall um, for us these last few games has been absolutely amazing. Uh, it's been the presence that he's established for us uh, on the inside. It's been great. And, you know, we're, we've always been a better team with him on the floor. And he's continuing to show, show why. Um, you know, when when you think about a guy like Looney, uh, who who plays 82 games this year, is coming up huge in the playoffs and is in the contract year, that's incredible. You know, you want to play your best basketball when you're in your contract year. That's that's for everybody in this league. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever don't ever let anyone lie to you. I know people try to downplay it and be like, oh no, I ain't thinking about that. No, you want to play your absolute best basketball when you are in a contract year. And when you can do that into the postseason, it carries even more weight. You know, you get some of these guys that do it in the regular season and they play well, and that's great. Like, that's fine. Like, got to play well in the regular season too. But when you do it in the postseason, it's a little added ump on that because everybody's watching. You know, one of the things that I truly enjoy about the playoffs is, and especially as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, is you know everyone is watching that basketball. Like, there's no better basketball going on in the world. See, sometimes during the regular season, you get some of those games, some of those teams, that there is better basketball going on elsewhere in the world. But when you can get the four best teams or the eight best teams in the best league in the world playing against each other, everyone's watching that. So then you get the four everyone's locked in, including the four teams that lost before. And then you get to two, 
and the two teams that lost before, like everybody in the world is watching that. And so when you can play on that level and continue to improve your game and, and play at a high level, there's no better feeling as, as an athlete. There's no better feeling as an NBA player than being able to produce on a high level during the playoffs. It's, it's a different rush that it gives. And so to see Kevon Looney having the postseason that he's having on top of, uh, you know, the injury questions that he had and to play in 82 games this year, uh, one of five or six guys, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's one of five, uh, one of five or six guys with the injuries that he had and, and to continue to work on his body, get his body to a place to where he can stay healthy, man, I take my hat off to Luna. We're going to need him to continue to play the same basketball as well. Um, when I look at the game last night, yes, it was a blowout. Um, it didn't feel like a blowout because, you know, I think we blew the game open there in that period there in the third quarter. So it just wasn't like a blowout the entire game. But the final score was a blowout. I walked away from that game saying there's a lot of things that we could do better. Now, granted, there's a lot of things that they can do better. But I think there are some things that we can really do better. And I also don't think we shot the ball very well either. And when I look at those things, that that, that really bode well for us. Um, you know, Steph Curry didn't have an incredible shooting night. Klay Thompson was one for four from three. Like, you know, we we can shoot a lot better. And... And I also think we can play a lot better. Like, I think we did some things last night that allowed us to take control of the game, and that was not turning the ball over. That was defending without fouling. Those are staple things in our defense, though. Those are non-negotiable. Those are things that we are supposed to do. And so <clears throat> we did the things that we were supposed to do, and I think we struggled with some things that were more than capable of being pretty, like, pretty damn good at and if we can do those things better that'll help us a lot in this series because as this series goes on this is going to get tougher and tougher that's a great team that's a well-coached team and they have very good talent and so I think as this series goes on series goes on it's going to get tougher and tougher and so you for us you can't walk away from a game like that and be like oh it's over like they can't win like that's one game that team is not going to quit. That's the same team that lost game one that same way versus the Phoenix Suns. They also lost game two versus the Phoenix Suns. They went home and they found their confidence, and they were a totally different team. So we still have to take care of our business tomorrow and, and make sure we protect our home court. You want to go. You, you never want to leave home uh, after those first two games having lost home court advantage. So it is very important for us to come out and take care of game two, um, clean up some of the mistakes that we did make. I thought we gave up some some open shots that we can take away because, you know, guys, they're, they're like I said, they're going to shoot better. And so I thought we gave up some open looks that we can take away and we will take away um, in order to, to, to keep our defense at the level that it was in game one. Some of those open looks that they got, we have to we have to take some of those away I think we can get better in our game plan discipline um and most importantly which 
will really determine a little of how this series go is we have to make sure we get our guys going. Like, Steph had a good night. Wasn't great. It was a good night. Wasn't great by Steph Curry standards. Great by just about everyone else's standards in this league. Wasn't great by Steph Curry standards. Steph Curry's going to have a great night. Klay Thompson had a good second half. He was good defensively. Offensively, he had a good second half. Klay's going to play better. Uh, I thought Jordan had some spurts of where he played well. He's going to play better. So that's going to be important for us moving forward because there's going to be some games where you need your guys. And Wiggins, Wiggins had it going all night. But there's going to be some games where you need one of those guys to go berserk, like, in order to win the game, especially on the road. But that team is coming out upset tomorrow. Uh, it's just like I was telling our guys. No team gets to the conference finals and quit after one game, after two games, or after three games. No one gets to the conference finals and quit because a team that will get to the conference finals and quit never makes it to the conference finals. It's just that simple. You don't make it this far if you have quit in you because there, there would have been something along the way where you would have quit before. There's never an easy route to the conference finals. So the whole notion of this team is going to quit <clears throat> It ain't happening. It's not happening. They got Luka Doncic. They follow their horse. He struggled a little bit last night. He's going to come out attacking. That team is going to come out balls to the walls tomorrow, and we have to make sure that we're ready to meet their level of physicality and meet their intensity level. And speaking of Luka Doncic and LeBron James and the comparisons that are being made to those two guys, Here's where I see similarities, and then I'll give you a couple differences. One of the main glaring similarities that stick out at you is how those two guys can manipulate a defense, how those two guys can control the pace of a game. At their size, with their passing ability and the way they can put pressure on the, on the rim and pressure on the defense, and with the vision that they have, they're a lot alike. They both understand what they're trying to get to on the court. And, and they will be very methodical in getting to whatever it is that they know that they want to get to. There's not many people in this league that can control a game or control the tempo and the pace of a game like that. I think one of the things that it requires is an uncanny ability for thinking the game of basketball. But I, and I, this may sound a little cliche, but it also requires size. And the reason it requires size because if you can be sped up, you can't control a game. You can't control the pace of a game if you can be sped up. You can't speed Luka up. Luka's going to get to what he wants to get to. You can't speed LeBron James up. LeBron James is going to get to exactly what he wants to get to. Lucas 23, obviously he can't do it at the level that LeBron does it at yet. As consistent as LeBron, because LeBron has done it for so long. He's seen every defense possible. He's like the experience. You just can't teach experience. But Luka has that thing. 
He 100% has that thing. And he does it often. And, and, and so I definitely see the similarities there. Where I think they differ is Braun will take more transition opportunities where Luka kind of doesn't unless it's just a complete run out. And I think that's where they differ a little bit. It's like some games LeBron is totally looking to play in transition. Luka isn't quite looking to play in transition as much over the course of his career. Now, I've seen it at times where, you know, he see a team that he could take advantage of in transition and he gets going in transition. But that's not his game because it doesn't allow him to, to play at the speed that he plays at. And he's better at that speed than any other speed. He's mastered playing at the pace that he wants to play at and not being sped up. And so I think that's where it differs for me in just the pace of play. Like LeBron's pace is still much faster than Luka's. I also think Luka, as, as, as great of a passer as he is, and he loves to pass the basketball, I think Luka looks for his shot a little bit more than LeBron. Now, LeBron is uber-aggressive at times, but he's more often than not pass first. Luka is pass first at times, too, but he's looking to score more than LeBron and knows, like, from a possession-to-possession possession situation. LeBron has times where he's like, I'm about to score 15 points in two minutes, and good luck, nobody's stopping it. But from a just over a course of 48 minutes from a possession-to-possession possession basis, I think Luka looks to score a little bit more than LeBron has. Now, in saying that, it just shows you also how great LeBron is because here I am saying Luka looks to score a little bit more than LeBron, and LeBron's 1,300-some-odd points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring leader. And... There's this notion of LeBron James is not a scorer. Let me clear this up right now. I am not saying LeBron James is not a scorer at all. Because the, the, the fact that people are even willing to say that LeBron James is not a scorer baffles me. It really baffles me. I mean, you even get idiots like, you get idiots that play the game of basketball that's supposed to understand basketball that'll say LeBron James isn't a scorer. No, he just does everything and he scores. But to say he's not a scorer, that's just stupid and ridiculous. So I want to make it very clear that with that statement, I am not saying LeBron James is not a scorer. He's absolutely a scorer. He just passed the ball so well and see the floor so well and manipulate the game so well that you're like, oh, he's doing this and he's doing that. And then you look up and like, oh, and he had 30 points. Yeah, because he can score the basketball, fool. But, you know. People have their own assumptions of what's going on in the court, and I can't, hey, what you see is what you see. But stop confusing the fact that LeBron James is a scorer. He's 100% a scorer. And those that don't think so, got to question your basketball IQ. What game are you watching if you think LeBron James is not a scorer? So that's my comparison between Luke and LeBron. There's definitely some there. They definitely have similarities. And then you look up and it all makes sense. LeBron, Luca has said over and over again, LeBron's his favorite player growing up. And then you, you're actually blessed with that size that Luca has. It all makes sense of why there are similarities there because they're definitely there. 
and it feels a lot like playing against LeBron, playing against Luke every possession. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. With no use of coatings, you can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Everything rusts and nobody talks about it because they couldn't fix it until now. With Weber's new rust-resistant technology, your Weber will last for years. When used, our carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, reducing the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees with the Weber Works Prep cook and store system. You can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Let's talk Heat Celtics. Uh, the Heat won the game 118 to 107. That was a very interesting game because, and I, I actually saw Ime uh, Udoka's press conference. By the way, I also want to hit on that really quick. I had tweeted or put on my Instagram, I can't remember which one. But l- last week, all right, so forgive me, I'm in the playoffs. All these days are Groundhog Day, and they all run together. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say I think it was last week that I did this. But I had put something out and said it was baffling to me that I was watching the game. I was watching the highlights. I'm sorry. The highlights from the game, the Boston Celtics versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And if I'm not mistaken, it was after game six. and. They showed this entire, like, breakdown of, like, Mike Budenholzer and his coaching style and, like, blah, 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 and, like, all of this stuff. Mike Budenholzer is an absolutely incredible coach. Can't take nothing from him. He is a champion. Incredible. Mike Budenholzer had just lost the game, and there was, like, this whole feature on Mike Budenholzer. Okay, great. No problem. He's earned it. He's a championship coach. No problem. They then proceed to show player interviews. And when they show the player interviews, I was doing something in the kitchen. So I had, oh, I was like putting my plate. I don't know what I was doing. 
But I got up to do something in the kitchen, and I was going back to my seat, the table, and I rewinded it because it got to the last player interview, and then it was like moving on. So I rewinded, like maybe I missed Ime Udoka talking because they're talking to all players, and they're not going to mention this man as if he didn't make any adjustments going into game six. But they're going to show the losing coach a feature, but they don't even show words from the winning coach who had to make adjustments, who had off the film and had to motivate us. They're not going to show Ime Udoka at all. So I asked the question. I said, does Ime do interviews? Because, you know, some coaches aren't comfortable doing interviews. Like, So I wanted to be certain that I wasn't tripping. So I asked, I said, does Ime do interviews? And, you know, people responded like, yeah, there's his interview right there. It's like, send me a clip of it. And I'm like, wow. They didn't show that on ESPN. They didn't show him saying anything. That's absolutely ridiculous. The fact that this man can lead his team to a game six win on the road facing elimination and you don't show any comments from Ime Udoka? Are you kidding me? It was so disrespectful. It was pathetic to watch. Absolutely pathetic because they would never do that to other coaches. And they would especially not do that to white coaches, to Caucasian coaches. They would never do that. And the fact that they would do that to Ime Udoka is baffling to me. The, under, the undertone in it, I get it. Let's not show this man who had to make his adjustment because that may make him look a little too good. Like, that was ridiculous. So I wanted to speak on that. But now, in getting to the Heat and Celtics, as we were supposed to do, very interesting game. And how I got there is actually, I watched Ime Udoka's press conference, and he was saying it was actually just a stretch in the third quarter where we lost the game. Like, for the rest of the game, we were good. It's kind of just that third quarter. And it's true. They went up. They went up at halftime or went into halftime up eight points, 62 to 54. Now, when I'm watching that game, the one thing I was thinking is eight points is not enough because they had played so well. Jason had played well. They were guarding well. Eight points wasn't enough. And so I felt like that going into it. But I did not expect what preceded that. The Miami Heat goes on to outscore the Boston Celtics 39-14 to in the third quarter. JT had six turnovers. The Boston Celtics had eight turnovers. I felt like JT was playing in too much of a crowd. Um, he, you know, they were crowding him. They were sending two guys, and he was trying to make the play, and, and he was trying to draw fouls. Against an aggressive team like Miami, trying to draw fouls, they have the reputation for being aggressive. So trying to draw fouls, like, under pressure, that's never getting called in the conference finals. 
And I think that's what led to some of those turnovers that JT had. JT will make the necessary adjustments. He'll see what they were doing. He's an absolutely great scorer. He'll make the adjustments. He'll figure it out. But I always talk about the role players and how it's different on the road. Grant Williams shoot 18 threes in game seven. The analytical guys are in heaven. Grant Williams turned down some threes in game one. And he didn't shoot it as well as he's been shooting it all year. Because it's just a little different going on the road. Not taking anything from Grant Williams, because I think Grant Williams hasn't has not reached his ceiling. I don't think Grant Williams has reached his ceiling in the NBA. And right now, he's still very much so a role player. I think he can beat that. Like I think he can he's going to end up being more than that. Because he understands the game, the things that he brings to the game, he's not going to get outside of himself. He is what the modern-day NBA has become. And you can just tell by his three-point shot, he cares and works on his game because it was never this. And so I think he still has a ceiling that he has not reached yet. But right now, he is very much so a role player. And it's tougher to even take that many shots on the road, let alone to make as many as he made. And so I thought some of those guys missed some looks that they were knocking down in the midst of a run. So where, where you have a run where JT is kind of struggling and, you know, he's turning it over a bit, when you do get those open looks, you need to knock them down because they're hard to come by now. You know, they, they got really hard to come by. And who they came to was him, Peyton Pritchard. Um, that's where you saw Al Horford miss because Al makes big shots wherever the hell he is. <laughs> he could be in Boston. He could be in Pluto. Al makes big shots. Um, and he's been shooting it extremely well this postseason. Marcus Smart makes big shots. No matter what your thought is on Marcus Smart, whether you love him or you hate him, he makes big shots. And they're both more accustomed to playing on the road. So that's where you saw the loss of those two guys. Yes, defensively, they're not as good without Marcus Smart and Al. Yes, blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, they're battle-tested. They've been in the playoffs, their experience, and they can go on the road and their game travel with them. And I thought that was, that was one of the biggest keys. Obviously, JT was turning the ball over in that stretch, and obviously Boston struggled. But in the grand scheme of things, when it's very tough like that on your, your main guys and you do get those open ones, it's, it's more important that you knock them down, but it's also more pressure on those shots. And I didn't think they handled that as well. I also thought Tyler Hero had a better game than I expected in game one. I thought Boston's length would bother him more. Um, I thought he got to where he wanted to on the floor, and he's a great scorer. But I thought Boston's length would, would definitely be more effective than it was versus him. Again, you take Al Horford off the floor, that length goes down. Uh, you take Marcus Smart off the floor at 6'5 at the point, and you replace him with a six foot one Peyton Pritchard, that length goes down. And so um, injuries are a part of it. I'm not making an excuse for the Boston Celtics. It's a part of it. We all go through it. 
Um, no matter who they have on the floor, these games count. So it, at the end of the day, nobody's going to be like, oh, well, Marcus Smart was out and Al Horford was out. If you lose, you lose. And so by, by no means am I saying that's the only reason they lost because those two guys were out. But I am more so just throwing you some of the things that took place that you can spot and you can see and you can say, okay, I see where that could be different or I see where this could be different if those guys are on the floor. I think Marcus Smart is expected back tonight. Al Horford, not so much. But they will get Al back at some point in this series. I'm interested to see the impact that Marcus Smart can have tonight. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Jimmy Butler. Uh, 41 points on 19 shots. Got to the free throw line at will. Got to his spot. Made some shots. Got to the cup. And you want you see... Jimmy got a couple layups early in that game, and he saw the ball go in, and then all of a sudden you see him hitting fadeaways over JT. That's impossible shot. But when you get those easy ones that he was getting initially, and which I was shocked by because you have Robert Williams at the rim, but when you're getting those easy ones, and, and by the way, Daniel Tice is, has been a much better rim protector than I ever thought. And he has been incredible changing and altering shots at the rim. So. Got to give credit to Daniel Tice. But it was like Jimmy Butler felt none of that, none of their inside presence. He got those easy ones, got a couple in transition, and then the rim opened up. You get to the foul line, you see the ball constantly going through the net, and then his jump shot got working. And so they need to take the easy ones away from Jimmy early. Uh, now, in saying that, Jimmy's absolutely incredible. He's one of those guys. You know, I talk a lot about guys not being playoff guys. Jimmy's a playoff guy. Jimmy is 100% a playoff guy. Jimmy takes his game to another level during the playoffs. They got to get to Jimmy earlier. If they can get to Jimmy earlier, make Jimmy take jump shots early and not layups. You give up the jump shots first and make him gain confidence there. He can still make them. I'm not saying he can't. But you got a much better chance as opposed to him getting layups and free throws to start the game. The rim looks wider, it looks bigger, and then all of a sudden he get the J-ball going. He tough to stop. So got to give a lot of credit to Jimmy. Uh, Coach Spo had the guys ready to go. I am expecting coming out in game two, Bam, to be a little more aggressive on the offensive end. I think ultimately they're going to need that against the Boston Celtics defense. Jimmy had it going. They didn't need it much in game one. Tyler had it going. But if it gets tougher on Miami's guards, Gabe Vincent had it going. Uh, if it gets tougher on those guards, they're going to need Bam's inside presence. So I expect Bam to come out a lot more aggressive in game two than he did in game one. And for game two, I am taking... I'm taking Miami. I think Miami goes up. 0-2, and I think Boston takes it back to Boston, tie it up 2-2, two two. and then we have an all-important game five. So I'm taking Miami. Sorry, Jackson. I'm taking Miami in game two, but I do have Boston tying the series at 2-2 two two going home. It is very important that Miami takes an 0-2 lead going into Boston because Kyle Lowry's out, which means you have Gabe Vincent. You, you have Max Struess starting and going on the road, and that's just, they're a little different when they go on the road. 
and you're depending on those shots, which is good, though. Those guys can shoot the lights out the ball. They shoot it. But it's different when you go on the road. So it is very, very, very important that Miami does go up 0-2. And I think this is going to be a long series, so I'm taking Miami 0-2, which is going to make almost guarantee that this is going to be a long series. Jax, you got some mailbag questions for us before we get out of here? I do have some mailbag questions. And before we get to that, uh, I think we should make a little pod announcement, Dre. We have uh, a new Instagram account, yes? We do have a new Instagram account. Make sure you follow. the. We now have the official Draymond Green Show Instagram. Make sure you follow at Draymond Show on Instagram, at Draymond Show on Instagram to keep you up on the pod, keep you up on announcements. We'll be doing giveaways. I'll be going live from that account at times, which you know I'm not a big live guy. I think I've gone live from my account maybe once or twice, um, maybe three times. And however, well, live been around five years now. So <clears throat> I'm not a big live guy, but I will be going live from at Draymond Green Show page. We'll be doing giveaways from time to time. So make sure you follow the page. Check it out. Keep you updated on the pod. As you know, season is winding down. We are about, man, what, three and a half weeks away of before the NBA season ends? But we're not stopping there. I will take a break at some point, um, maybe a couple-week break or something like that. But you can find all that news on at Draymond Show. On Instagram, make sure you follow. Stay up to date. And now we have some mailbag questions for you before I get out of here and go get my prep ready for game two. All right. Uh, from Brody Gray at Brody Gray underscore 22. What did you think of Pat Bev's recent comments on ESPN? Well, what did I think of Patrick Beverly's recent comments on ESPN? I think... Um, Number one, if you sit back and look at some of the things Patrick Beverly said, I think he's he's making some very legit points of someone that really understands the game of basketball. If you've watched Patrick Beverly and the things that he said consistently. Now, I think that's marred a bit by his comments on Chris Paul. Because once he made the comments on Chris Paul, that became the headline, that became the news. And at that point, everyone just kind of just start discrediting everything that he said from that point on. I've seen more than just the Chris Paul stuff, and I actually think he said some good things. I think he's been very um, – there's been, there's been times on there where he was very – uh, particular and, and breaking things down. He he went in depth on things. So I think people can really learn some things from listening to Patrick Beverly. However, I think his comments made on Chris Paul um, took it took some of the attention away from some great points that he was making, and rightfully so. Um, I saw that when he, you know when you go at a guy like Chris Paul who's a legend in our game. That's going that's 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 going to take the cake. That's that that's not something you say for a day and, and it goes away. Like that's going to take the cake and people want to remember that. 
And then he doubled down on it, and then he tripled down on it. I I respect a guy for standing on what they stand on. Like, as you know, I stand on what I say. We don't post and delete. We stand on our word. If you post something, that's how you was feeling in that moment. You stand on that. At the end of the day, Instagram is a moment in time, and you post things that you feel when at that moment that you post them. We don't delete. And so... I respect him standing on what he said. I just think it did him a huge disservice in showing what he's capable of from the TV side because that immediately became what it was about. It became more about uh, Patrick Beverly talking about Chris Paul than about, man, Patrick Beverly is actually breaking the game down and telling us things that most people can't just see and make out. Like, and so, as someone who's in the, on the TV side of things, I think that should be a huge learning experience for him. I'm not saying go apologize for the Chris Paul stuff and what you said. I don't apologize. You stand on what you said. But I think that can be a learning thing for him to understand that I can be good in this. I can be good in this business. And I can break the game down different than most people can break the game down. And I don't have to be like these clowns that gets a microphone and go on TV. I don't have to be these clowns. I can go on here and really talk basketball and be good at this. I don't have to be like these clowns. And I think if he do that and he learn from that, I thought he was saying some good stuff on TV uh, and breaking the games down the way he was breaking the game down. And I think people can learn from that. But I think he also needs to learn from his mistake and what he did. And maybe he doesn't think it was a mistake. And if he doesn't, by all means, hey, man, you your own man, more power to you. But just from my experience in TV, I think there was a different way he could have went about it. I think he should learn from it because I think in watching him, he could be pretty good at it. He could be good at it. Next one from Alexis at Alexis Goldfish. What's one piece of advice you've stuck by throughout your entire career? Uh, one piece of advice I've stuck by throughout my entire career is a couple of things. No, nobody's going to outwork me. You're not going to outwork me on a basketball floor. That's essentially like you coming in my house and taking food off my kid's plate. And I, I, I'm just not willing for you to, to, to let anybody come into my house and take food off my kid's plate. Um, so that I live by that. And then I am a firm believer in whatever, whatever you come into the NBA doing, you can never stop doing that. So how did I get on the floor? I got on the floor defending. I can never stop playing defense because you will never be good enough at any other thing than what got you on the floor. So you can become a better shooter. Like Steph Curry can never stop shooting the basketball. That's what he came in doing. That's who he made himself. He can never just stop shooting. So say, say Steph Curry became Kawhi Leonard on defensive end as like a perimeter defender. He can't just stop shooting and be that because you will never be good enough at that to cover for what you were and what you did do. And I think so many times, especially younger guys, get lost in like, oh, I can shoot it now, or I can dribble better. I'm going to do that and not do what you on your way out the league if you stop doing what got you to where you are. So for me, I got on the court 
with Mark Jackson by playing defense. I can never stop being relentless on the defensive end, and I live by that. Last one, and remember to submit your questions on Twitter at hashtag the Draymond Green Show, or maybe we'll do some calls for questions on the brand new Instagram account. Hey, no, maybe live. Maybe live. But from Raleigh Firebirds at Raleigh Firebirds 1, what was the toughest moment you've had on a basketball court before you made it to the NBA, and how did you respond? What were the lessons slash takeaways from that? The toughest lessons that I had on a basketball court prior to the NBA was I think my sophomore year at, at, Mich- at Michigan State when right I got fouled by uh, my sophomore year at Michigan State when I got fouled in the final four versus Butler and we lost that game I think that was the toughest moment for me or right off the top of the head um, that was a very tough moment for me what it taught me was do what you have to do to never leave the games in the hands of the referees. Because they are human and they miss calls. And what was an evident, like clearly a foul, they missed. Was there something else that I could have done along the way, like make my free throws? I struggled from the free throw line that game. Was there something else I could have done along the way to where that call wasn't left in the referee hand and decide what my fate would be and moving forward and trying to win the NCAA championship. That was one of my takeaways from it, and that was a very tough, tough moment for me. I never went back to the Final Four. That was my last time ever playing in the college Final Four. And so that was a big moment in my career. And to not move forward on what would have been a foul now, again, I struggled from the free throw line. I still would have had to go make the free throws. But... I just learned when you have an opportunity to put a team away, when you have an opportunity to extend the lead, you have to do what it is that you need to do in those moments because you just never want to leave the game in the hands of the officials because they are human beings. It's it's very hard keeping up with the top athletes in the world and seeing things real time. Like I mean, I think if you think of things that you need to see in real time in life, you miss a ton of things. So like you imagine they're going to miss things. That's just the way it's going to be. It's human error. Like, as humans, we're going to make errors. That's just what it is. And so whatever it is that you can do to not be put in that position, that's what I've learned to just capitalize and be methodical in the things that I need to do so I'm not in that position. Appreciate the questions. As always, uh, on these episodes, we will be doing mailbag questions. So make sure you submit your questions. On Twitter, hashtag the Draymond Green Show. We will also let you know how you can submit those on the Instagram account as we figure it out. But for now, just continue to submit them on Twitter. You may see yourself on the show. Until next time, I appreciate it. Looking forward to game two. Everybody, make sure you check it out. See y'all on the next episode. That's it from from the Draymond Green Show. It's a wrap. Peace. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, 
Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.